0: Before her accident, Kim was a highly regarded therapist and medical professional, but after she was re-rended four years ago, she ended up with post-concussion syndrome and still struggles. I apologize for the static in this audio, I don't know why it happened or how to fix it, but uh, I've tried This is the Neural Network. Hi, Emma. Hi. Sorry it took me so long, I got sidetracked petting my dog.
1: (laughs) That's easy to do,
0: huh? Yeah. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Trying to keep the dog out of the area so I can
0: focus. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: Do you want to introduce yourself?
1: I just was uh, trying to figure out, well, how does this work? How do we do it? So I get a little anxious with my, you know, uh, post-concussive here to, like, know how to things you know what the puzzle looks like so I think I'm understanding now
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'd never called people through Facebook until this so it's a learning process
1: yeah because I did I mean I didn't know I was like yeah and then I have it on my calendar and I'm like going okay like last week I'm going okay so how are we going to do this okay so (laughs) I'm still leaving 11 o'clock I haven't heard from her and I'm I'm just like okay I guess this will work out
0: (laughs) (laughs) so do you want to introduce yourself
1: I can do that. So are we on? Yes. Okay, very good. Um, my name is Kim, and uh, thank you, Emma, for uh, doing your podcast. I think they're very powerful. It's great to hear other stories and uh, how they are walking through this path of, of recovering and dealing with a, a brain injury. I'm 61 years old. I was uh, rear-ended by a tour bus over four years ago, so I was 57 at the time. And um, a bit of my background before I just give you a short before I was launched into a different um, a different huge change in my life. I was a highly skilled skilled clinical therapist, um, medical referral practice, and I and I specialized in challenging conditions and complex um, issues with people structurally, um, myofascially, craniosacral. So I did a lot of um, hands-on therapy with people that were going through some pretty complex issues in their lives, uh, needing to feel feel better, and I would run across people that had been in accidents, and they weren't finding um, help, you know, in other avenues, so I uh, have a master's in exercise physiology, I have an extensive teaching and movement specialty background, um, And coaching uh, in the athletic world, and I also am an artist. So that's my background before I was uh, rear-ended by a tour bus.
0: Well, let me just say that's very impressive. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thanks. Well, you know, when you're in your late fifties, you've had some life things that have happened, you know. And so I was really uh, feeling very confident in who I was in my late fifties, and um, yeah, really excited about uh, you know my future and what I could continue to contribute um, to others to help them. So things have changed a little bit. (laughs) The tides have changed.
0: Mm -hmm. So what were your main symptoms after the accident and what are they now four years later?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, um, right after the accident um, I noticed that things weren't right. Um, I didn't not go to the hospital, I probably should have, Um, I was a bit out of it, Um, I felt like when the impact hit me that I was launched into the Matrix, Have you ever seen that movie, Um, and I felt like this whole defensive line, football team went through the middle of my back, and I had some extensive pain in my left jaw, and my uh, temporal side of my left side of my head, and, um, you know, lower sacroiliac kind of uh, twisting. So I was tracking what was going on with me and knowing that something wasn't quite right. So in the, uh, I saw a doctor afterwards and in the weeks following up my symptoms began to increase and I started, I would call it, I started cascading down underwater <laughs> and um, became more out of it, you know, shuffling uh, slurring my speech, intense headaches um, my visual orientation began to start to diminish. uh, And I had light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, uh, very extreme tinnitus. Um, What is that? I I call it uh, thousands of cicadas screaming in my ears. Mm. So um, it's it's, it's not pleasant at all. So I didn't know how I was very disoriented and didn't know where I was in space or time. I figured out about month and a half after the accident I didn't understand what people were saying to me and then it took me another month or two that I figured I don't think people know what I'm saying to them
0: mm-hmm. so I was in this
1: very altered place and um a nausea nausea was uh really really bad too so all of those symptoms I still have to some degree and um I feel that the first two years after the accident, I was sort of lost in the system. Um, I did not get the care that I needed. I did not have family and friends around me to step in. So I've been really navigating this mostly on my own. And it's been a pretty bizarre experience.
0: hmm Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, so about a month after the accident, I did end up in the ER about uh, a 24-hour stay where they did the imaging um, MRI. And, um, of course, nothing was picked up at that time. And uh, they just released me and said, you know, you just need to rest. You have a concussion. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was that. So I've been (laughs) trying to navigate this wonkiness of a really strange and very different uh, experience for over four years now.
0: Had you ever heard of post-concussion syndrome before being diagnosed with it?
1: No. I mean, I've heard of concussion. I'd heard of uh, brain injury, uh, spinal trauma, you know, just from my training, but mm-hmm. not post-concussive syndrome. No.
0: That's what I'm finding no. with pretty much everybody I've talked to. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what it was until a couple months after I was diagnosed with it.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what the term was till about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was very confusing to me. Um, throughout, um, from the beginning, or, or right after the crash, until even into uh, maybe the last years, like, well, you know, if I felt, and it could have very much be because my brain is not uh, connecting uh, very well, is that I, I didn't know what the diagnosis was. I didn't feel like anybody was being very clear, mm-hmm. other than saying that. I was at Hopkins first, and they said, oh, well, it'll be three months, you know, and then if you still have these symptoms after three months, not many people have them, but we're not quite sure why, and that's all the information I would get, Um, so it's really sketchy on understanding and even asking, because um, my brain isn't functioning very well, to figure out. Well, what's going on? And, uh, and my brain couldn't even figure out how to even say that at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's been this I feel like it's a scavenger hunt for me and especially with my knowledge and background and trying to figure out well what's going on and what's happening.
0: That's and a really so good I way feel like that has
1: yeah, been a part of my pursuit going through this is figuring out well <laughs> what's going on. So I'm getting I'm getting uh, clearer answers now because I've relentless in finding um, those in the uh, medical field and supportive fields that can be uh, high quality and um, high standard practitioners that really are on top of their game and can give me what I need, mm-hmm. whether it's therapies or information and sending me um, yeah, to the right people. So and, and that I would say I'd have I'm about 3 quarters of the way of having a a team that's really really gets it.
0: That's great. It takes a long time to find, but it's good that you have it on the yeah. way now. So on that note, yeah. what kinds of things have you tried? What's worked? What hasn't? Medications, yeah. therapies, et cetera? Yeah, well
1: the f- the first yeah. therapy I think was a self therapy that I've been doing ever since the beginning of the accident. And I would write things on paper and stick them up on my walls because my vision is pretty bad. I didn't realize it at the time. Again, scavenger hunt, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, anything visual was, even though it was wonky in my field, um, was good for me. So I started doing my art. I had a sketchbook in my um, purse that I carried around, and I just started uh, documenting and dialoguing with my sketchbook because I didn't have emotional support. I didn't have uh, any way to... Uh, really verbally to speak well, and so i least my art. So um, that has been a huge therapy for me through all of this, and actually the images are, I call them my soul-saving images, um, that someone put them in a book for me called The Scrambled Brain, and I think that they're very powerful, and I've had a lot of other survivors that have really related to them because you just sometimes don't have the words for things or what you're going through. And somehow I have a, a good way with my art to really translate uh, what we're experiencing. And um, medical professionals are finding it helpful too because they don't have a clue what's going on mm-hmm. in our head unless they've gone through it, you know, similar kind of a thing. So the therapies that, um, in about a year and three quarters, I started going to actually a vision specialist. Um, I'm still working with them on a monthly basis, one, once a month, and um, very highly skilled, very knowledgeable, and I think they've been one of my big parts of my team. Um, in this last year, I've, I'm now working with a specialized physical therapist that does postural restoration integration, and um, she's helping me on my gait and how to re um, re-educate my structure because I had really collapsed from the spinal trauma my breathing I'm still working on how to coordinate and synchronize my breathing and she's helping me with that I am now seeing this, another speech therapist this is probably speech therapist number four who is able to help me at the base my executive functioning I have a, executive dysfunction is my biggest um, piece right now and um she is meeting me where I am at my very base levels of organizing, sequencing, cleaning, categorizing, which is challenging for me. Someone who could do that very easily before the accident, I'm not able to do that now. So uh, she's helping me with that. She's smart. She's really paying attention. Um, I go to an art therapist who has been really. She's had. Um, Training in trauma and in working with uh, brain injury patients and, uh, and Walter Reed and whatnot veterans. She's very understanding of my situation, and um, we discussed how a lot of therapists, even not just the psychological therapist, um, don't have training in trauma. And it's really important to have that understanding because um, I can't tell you how many therapists I've been dismissed from. They just—they didn't get it. They just were not on the, the right track with me because of that. Uh, neurofeedback, I received that. That's been extremely helpful. FNS neurofeedback, mm-hmm. and um, I also get some cranial sacral therapy
0: at this Some point. what? So, what was the last thing you crani- said?
1: Cranial sacral therapy. Hmm.
0: I haven't heard of that.
1: Yeah, that is um, works the cranial sacral system and allowing the fluid that is. Cerebral spinal fluid um, that is um, manufactured, you know, in the brain, and it helps to um, uh, wash through and has its own rhythm that surrounds your nervous system, your central nervous system. And <clears throat> with a concussion or a brain injury, um, a lot of the times there's disruption to that. And someone who's a highly skilled cranial sacral therapist can help in soothing. The central nervous system and helping that rhythm of the cerebral spinal fluid to begin to uh, oscillate and soothe and move at a more natural rhythm um, within the person. So it's it's a it can be a very supportive therapy.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah, I like hearing about different therapies that sort of it re- you really see how everything's connected.
1: how it's interrelated can be really, really helpful, and um, cranial sacral is definitely one of those. And I feel that all the therapists I'm working with right now, the doctors I'm working with right now, have an understanding that there's a, you know, there's these pieces to the whole of this. It's, a, it's complex. And to, um, you know, have that understanding is, for me, is very helpful because that's the background that I had um, before coming into to this situation.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So – Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's – you can go.
1: (laughs) I was just going to say that the relearning, you know, I feel like I'm in these scattered pieces I have been, and um, there's a lot of metaphors I think I've used being a visual and creative person um, to help me to make understanding of where I am and where I'm going, Um, but the relearning of everything – some level. Like, what, three weeks ago, all of a sudden, I was able to reset a digital clock. I couldn't do that for over four years. And I was like, wow, that's exciting.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: So it's uh, it's interesting how sometimes it takes a while, but a connection will start to form, and um, I'll be able to do something very little that I haven't been able to do for a really long time.
0: Yeah, and that's definitely even if from an outsider's perspective maybe it's like okay well I reset clocks all the time but it's a big thing anything you need you need those little steps to get there like to a bigger step but it's those are just very exciting and things you should be very proud of
1: are going to help it get stronger and reconnect Mm -hmm. Um,
0: so are you with the puzzles do you do jigsaw puzzles or like brain like you know crossword puzzles or the riddles mixture good good question um
1: I think because of my visual and spatial orientation background is the jigsaw puzzles work really well for me Mm -hmm. um patterning so i know that i'm laying down okay (laughs) i think we got disconnected
0: yeah got all quiet and then it just cut off
1: okay i got my phone i think another call was coming in and i was just like trying to get that one to stop so i apologize Hmm. um so puzzles Mm -hmm. uh for me i um been using some jigsaw puzzle. My arrhythmic therapist, when I told her I was not able to sequence, I couldn't put things in order. I was having a difficult time with that. And she said, you know, Kim, you have said this a few times, and let me give you some walking patterns that help with sequence. And that has been really helpful. It has taken me because my processing level is borderline. Um, And uh, I want to come back to the testing that I've had done after we talk about puzzles. Okay, I, I will um, note it. Let me write that down so I can remember it. So she suggested that I do jigsaw puzzles because she said that, you know, the brain um, uh, develops really well with puzzles. So she said, do not get anything more than 350 pieces and make sure they're large pieces. Mm-hmm. She said, when you get that puzzle, and it took me about three or four months after she gave me the instructions, that's how slow I am with my processing and so once I got the puzzle, I put it out, and she said, drop it out, face down, make sure that all the puzzle imaging is away from you, and you're just seeing the back of the puzzle. Then take each puzzle piece and turn it over. That helps with one part of cognition, I don't remember. And after you have them all turned over, then put together all the edges. And then after you put all the edges together, then you want to put down, put together similar shapes. Yeah. And I tell you, Emma... When I did that activity, and it took me a couple days, and I paced myself out with it, there was some excitement inside of me when I began to kind of get closer to the finish line and see that it was completing. Because I felt that I liked to finish tasks before the accident, and I was having a hard time in completing and finishing things, thoughts, tasks, anything in my day,
0: oh, yeah, and to have for somebody sure. help
1: me to finish not many people understood how important that was for me. This puzzle experience allowed me to see something coming to completion and do it, and I just was really excited about that. Yeah, and the visual. Yeah, I got a few other um, 350 pieces. I was very careful on the visual image that was on the piece, so it wasn't too overstimulating, but it would be able to be um, successful for me. Mm does like to work in puzzles, in a way, and thoughts, so when I have, vision therapy has also given me um, some different types of puzzles to work with, and they seem to be helpful too. I'm beginning to now. See the piece before I put it down, before I was just sort of haphazardly trying to find the next piece. Mm -hmm. So I do see some improvement, you know, on that piece of puzzle.
0: Could you hold on one second? There's a loud system thing that just turned on. Okay, sorry. No worries. Did you have you done any of the hidden picture puzzles in vision therapy?
1: No, I haven't. I did get some hidden picture puzzles. Um, my first round of occupational therapy at about a year and a half post accident,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that had me rocking in my chair, covering my ears and my eyes, and I just it was it was too much for me at the time. Mm-hmm. But. um and I was excited, those type of things before accident. I love that. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you brought it up because maybe it's something I can revisit now since that was uh, about two and a half years ago.
0: Uh, yeah, I did those yeah. pretty much every day at vision therapy because the option was word search or um, hidden picture. And word search is just not happening, even <laughs> because I know that pre injury, for me, I was terrible at word searches. So it take me so long, and there's so many letters. But I love the hidden picture. They're hard, though.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's really important to take into consideration what people's strengths and weaknesses were before their injury, um, because I know that familiarity is important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that has familiarity, like something I was good at before, I feel like there's a stronger possibility for me to grow strength and to relearn um i'm not against you know uh strengthening my weaker areas too but um i think those feeling successful and knowing that you can get to something even though it's extremely challenging um is really helpful especially for me
0: definitely yeah
1: oh yeah i'm glad thanks for bringing up the hidden picture i'm putting on my notes here so i need to work on (laughs) this great
0: so you're mentioning about the tests that you've gotten done? Yeah. So um,
1: the tests that, that I have gone through, um, of course, is the MRI, which showed nothing. Um, then I got the neuropsychological testing done. It probably about a year and a half after the accident, I only made it through 20 minutes, and I was highly symptomatic. It took me two and a half hours till I could leave the doctor's office. And she said, you're not ready. Come back in six months. I'm like, okay. So... Silly me. (laughs) I came back in six months, and she broke it up into two-hour chunks. So over two months, um, I do a two-hour chunk, and then I have a two-week rest break and then come back for another two-hour chunk. And uh, I got through it, but after every two-hour chunk, I had delayed onset symptoms that were just excruciating for like a week and a half until Mm. I could sort of recover enough to go back. And that test basically showed that I had – Borderline processing and below average working memory, and then all my other skills were either very superior, very superior, above average. So it, that showed there was a huge gap within my cognition. Thus, the traumatic brain injury in the accident. Mm-hmm. So that was good information. Um, but then it was to get people to meet me at that low processing level, and that was the challenge to get therapists that could help me there. Um, then. Lo and behold, um, I was just somehow led to get what's called a brain map or a QEEG, and um, it was very interesting to get that. A lot of paperwork to fill out. I can't fill out paperwork Mm -hmm. and forms. I need help with that. Um, And so I went to see this physiologist that did the testing, who's brain mapping, QEEG, and... After she had the imaging all done and had all the results printed out, it shows specifics of the brain and where the damage is. And then it calculates all the data and the images, and it prints it out into what's called a TBI discriminant. And that tells you what's your probability percentage of a brain injury plus the type of brain injury you have. And so when she came to me with the results and she said to me, Wow. She's like, how are you sitting here right now? From what I've seen, you shouldn't be here or you should be really incapacitated in the corner from these images. I was like, well, thanks for the validation because this has been really hard. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and, um, you know, I did Ironmans before. I did a lot of, like, athletic events that were really grueling, but this has been way more than any of that. It was interesting. She said, then then she said, I bet your head was turning this direction when the bus hit you. I was like, I looked at her like I saw a ghost. Because I was like, "How would she know how my head was turned? We didn't talk about that." Right.
0: Really.
1: And she said, "Well, look here at the occipital lobe. The imaging of the occipital lobes at the back of your head." Mm-hmm. She said, "Look at all the damage here, and you can see a direct line in the force vector of damage, for where the impact would have went through your, your, you know, your mat, your brain matter." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow." So that that was great information for me. Because I've had, I'm having really challenges with visual processing. So I have a lot of damage in that area.
0: Mm-hmm. And then she showed
1: me where I had damage, like, you know, my, my temporal lobes, which are in the, the sides of your ears. She you said, it's like you're sitting in the middle of a sixth, uh, fifth grade classroom and all the students are talking at the same time. And I was like, yeah, I can't grab a thought, put a thought together, make sense of things because I can't, I can't link up, you know, uh, mm-hmm. thought forms or cognition information and that's because of that damage so those imaging and the um, results from it were really validating and my tbi discriminant came back as 99.5 percentage of probability of a high moderate to low severe brain injury because the extents of damage within my brain
0: wow what did you say the testing was called again
1: it's called a q as the letter q Mm -hmm. eeg okay brain map qEEG, and so that was really validating for me because it's been so difficult so to have the images and have data that is tracking what is damaged and giving me the information was just like okay that i'm not making this up (laughs) because you Mm -hmm. feel like it sometimes because you're dealing with some people that don't get it or as we know uh there's a lot of people it's an invisible injury and they see you walking or talking and they're not realizing how much you're struggling mm-hmm. um and how difficult sure. it is you know that my, my tongue's stuck on the right side of my mouth it gets heavy it's hard to speak um so yeah so that's i wanted to share that because i thought it was very good information for me and i
0: just definitely yeah it seems yeah. like a great option for looking at yeah. so are there any it's kind of a weird question. Any positive experiences that have come out of your four-year struggle?
1: Um, definitely my art. Um, I can't do enough of it. And um, I'm, you know, I'm happy that I was able to put my images, or someone could do that, put them in a book, The Scrambled Brain. And I have a website, and I have a Facebook page, so I interact with that
0: some. Oh, definitely plug yourself, like, What's your website? Um, it's called the Scrambled,
1: S-C-R-A-M-B-L-E-D Brain dot and I also have a Facebook page.
0: I've heard um, of that. So I have to look. This it.
1: year, for the first time, I was able to actually make an image and have it up March first for Brain Injury Awareness Month. So I was so proud of myself.
0: That's great.
1: <laughs> I, I'm still slow motion but I have some ideas at times, and they do get out. So yes, my art, and I just wanna, I was a watercolor artist before the injury, and in detail, I, I can't do that too much, but i um, using acrylics, I'm doing whatever, and I feel that my art can be advocacy and education, so I have showcased at brain injury conferences and those type of things, and I'll be speaking to a uh, occupational therapy college students um, in April, um, a brain injury in my experience. So um, those things are positive. they sort of getting me out and, uh, and sharing. And the other positive thing I would say is um, I call them the lanterns or the guideposts or touchstones along the way. Those uh, therapists or people in my world, um, a few, very few family and very few friends that are able to shine the light on another piece of my path that I can't quite see yet and I'm having a hard time with. Mm -hmm. So I really, um, yeah, I'm very appreciative and grateful for those who have been supportive and, and helped, helped me in times where, you know, I, I wasn't able to do it. So, um, yeah. So, and it's positive to, to, uh, be able to be a part of your podcast
0: (laughs) too. Well, thank you. I appreciate what you're doing, Emma. That's great. Uh, I'm, Speaking to the listeners, I'll put a link in the description to your website. Uh, yes. May I put it up on my website? Absolutely. Great, that's, thank that's you. Great, thank you so much. So, if you had to pick one or a few things that you can't live without, like for me, my dogs. Something that that helps. What would you pick?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really have been grieving myself, um, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Because mm-hmm. I kind of liked myself before, <laughs> and and um, you know, for definitely a good three years, and, and still that that does happen. But I um, I say that in in coming home and finding pieces of me that feel like they that it, that it is me that I feel comfortable with is. Meditation, nature, spending time in nature, and of course with my animals, and doing my art.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I that If I can get into that space with those things, uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling like, you know, it's a good day, and um, it's calming, and that's a positive thing for my nervous system also.
0: Yeah, definitely. Those are all yeah. definitely good things. So do you have any parting words of advice, or if I missed anything, just anything you want to say?
1: Well, uh, my brain's a little fried right now because I get fatigue very easily. And, um, yeah, just keep uh, taking the next step, whatever that is. And uh, I feel that that's sort of been a bit of my mantra, and uh, sometimes I feel lost or I'm in the corner or I'm frustrated or I'm angry. I can pull myself out to say what's the next step and it might be I just need to pause right now and take a 10-minute break and learn what that is um, that's huge because it, it brings the tsunami or the overwhelm down to the moment that I'm in so you know, what's the next step well, where am I now so that's
0: it that's really great Well, thank you so much for taking your time to talk to me. I really appreciate it, and I enjoyed it.
1: Thanks, Emma. Same same here. Have a great day.
0: You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to The Neural Network. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Go to my website, tinyurl.com slash neuralnetworkhv for resources and other fun content. Just a reminder that this is a Girl Scout project. You can sign up to get an interview on my website. Thanks so much for listening. Leave a rating and review if you like it so other people can find us. Thank you!